appreciate Brother Thomason taking care of service last Sunday night. I had planned to preach this message then, so I preach it tonight. Went on down to Sandy's and able to have a part of Easter with the family. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there thinking of uh, the loneliness, you know. House looks awful empty and quiet. And, and I thought of the ladies that uh, had to say goodbye to your husband and what it must be for you. Uh, you know, you, you don't know till you've been there, do you? You don't know the, the loneliness that people experience. And uh, the Lord said uh, in Genesis, there it's not good that the man be alone. <laughs> and so uh, I understand what he's talking about, I think, a little bit more. Uh, of course, most uh, the lifespan of women is longer than men, so men generally die before the women. Not always, but uh, it didn't happen with my mother and dad. Uh, and uh, it seemed like it's harder for a man to, to adjust than a woman. Uh, maybe that's why the Lord lets the women live longer, I don't know. But uh, they're able to adapt a little easier, it seemed like. Well, aren't you glad that one day God's going to put an end to all that? Think about the message this morning and appreciate the presence of the Lord. And uh, it's going to be a glad day, isn't it? When uh, God gets the whole family together. The Bible talks about the whole family in heaven and earth. Part of the family's already gone on and part of the family's still here, but uh, one day the Lord's going to get the whole family together and we'll never be separated again. It's going to be a great day, isn't it? <laughs> he said, why don't the Lord go ahead and do it? Well, <laughs> he'll be here on time. The Bible tells us that the Lord is long-suffering, not one that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Aren't you glad he waited long enough for you to get in? And that we could be saved. And I know there's burdens and this morning of those that are still unsaved and children, parents, brothers, sisters, different loved ones that need the Lord. And we want the Lord to come, but we want them to be saved at first, don't we? So it's kind of a mixed, uh, mixed emotions, I guess. Okay, let's stand, please. Uh, John 19, I told you where to turn, didn't I? Page 1143, John 19. Begin reading with verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about a hundred pound weight. Now they tell us that they used half the body weight when they used the spices. So if that be true, then Christ probably weighed around 200 pounds. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. 
There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. May we pray. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the privilege to read your word and preach your message. And I pray you'd help me, Lord, to be a, be a blessing and a help to your people. Pray for wisdom and understanding. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. May I just be a vessel that you would fill and use. Lord, I want to honor you tonight. Bless and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to talk about uh, the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through 4. Let's just go ahead and turn there. I have it here. I think I can quote it even without reading it, but we'll look at it in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, and uh, verse 1 through 4. We preached in chapter 15 this morning. That's uh, page 1225, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. You keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now he identifies the gospel. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ, died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, why would the Lord include the burial in the gospel? Uh, that, is, that is something you seldom hear about. You may never have heard a message on the burial of Jesus Christ. Yet the Bible said it's a part of the gospel, <laughs> that Christ died for our sins. Not that Christ died, but Christ died for our sins. He died a substitutionary death. Then he was buried. And he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now we had a lot of emphasis upon the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, and rightly so. But inserted between those two great events is the burial of Jesus Christ. Now, we know that uh, Jesus was crucified on Wednesday, not Good Friday. Uh, you know, the Good Friday thing is certainly not based on Scripture. And uh, in, back in John 19, verse 31, the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. Uh, now, because of that, <clears throat> they say, well, the... Uh, Jesus had to be crucified on Friday because the Sabbath was Saturday and then Sunday was the resurrection. But notice he identifies it here and he said, for that Sabbath day was a high day. And he said they broke the legs there of the thieves and all. But uh, it was a special Sabbath. It was not the regular seventh day weekly Sabbath that he was talking about and he clearly tells us this. So Jesus was crucified uh, on Wednesday and uh, was buried for three days and three nights and arose again on Sunday, the first day of the week. Now, of course, uh, under the law, under the dispensation of the law, you had, you had the six days of work. He said six days shall a man labor and do all his work. Then he was arrested the seventh day. Brother Thomason brought out in Sunday school this morning how the Sabbath was a type of Christ, that we rest in Christ. But under the dispensation of grace, 
uh, we come together on Sunday. They worked and then went to church or went to uh, the synagogue or the temple. We rest in Christ. We rest and then work. We don't work and then rest. We, we rest in Christ and then we work for Christ. And that's always the order. Now there's three things I'd like to bring out tonight uh, that is of significance to the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why was he buried? First of all, to fulfill the scripture. Jesus, you know I'm amazed when I read the Bible, if you read the gospel accounts, it will say at different times, and this was done that the scripture might be fulfilled. I want to tell you tonight that God keeps his word. If God said it, you can count on it. Uh, you can anchor your life on it. God will never, God has never, God will never go back on his promise. If he said he'd do it, he'll do it. And so if it's, if it's prophesied in the scripture, then you can count on it to be true. Isaiah 53, 9, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And we have it, I brought, read it right in your hearing about the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus coming and preparing him uh, the body for burial there and Joseph giving his own new tomb for the burial of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I believe Nicodemus, the Bible doesn't say specifically, but I believe Nicodemus no doubt got saved. And because here he's involved in the burial of the body of Christ. But the Bible said he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, therefore fulfilling the scripture. In the book of Leviticus, the sin offering was burned without the count. Now when I went to Israel, they, uh, they took us to the church of the Holy Sepulchre, they said. And they said, this is where Jesus was buried uh, and, uh, and arose from the dead. The only problem with that is that it's inside the walls of Jerusalem. And the Bible very clearly teaches that he, he had the type and the, the truth that is taught in the Old Testament was without the count. And the Bible clearly teaches he was buried outside of the walls and crucified outside the walls. Then they took us to Gordon's Calvary. And when you saw the mountain, you knew. No one had to tell you, but you knew that's where it happened. Because the Bible said it's a place of a skull. If you've seen any pictures of, the, uh, of Israel, I thought about sometime hunting those up and, and it's been a long time ago and, and uh, showing them. But it has the appearance of a skull, the hill where Jesus was crucified. And the sepulcher, the tomb was nearby and the tomb that he was buried in is in the same hill that Jesus was crucified on. And it's an amazing thing. So he came to fulfill the scripture. In John 2, verse 19 through 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building. Will thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. May I say to you tonight that Jesus Christ could have built it in three days, the literal temple, but he was speaking about a greater miracle. You say, that would have been a miracle. Yes, but a greater miracle is the resurrection. That never happened uh, except to those that, that God raised from the dead temporarily. Uh, so 
uh, he, uh, he, was, he, he prophesied. He says, you, you kill me, you put me in the ground, and in three days I'll come out alive. And it happened. Now he also in John 12, verse 40, For if Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now that's why Christ had to be crucified on Wednesday. Remember, the Jewish day ends at sundown, and the next day begins. We have our new day beginning at midnight, which I've never been able to figure out. That don't make any sense at all. Now, the new day beginning at sunrise, that might make some sense, or the new day ending at sunset, that makes some sense, but 12 o'clock at night makes no sense at all. But we live under that, that rule and that we have to do the best we can with it and we've got so used to it, I, I don't, you know, kind of like daylight savings time. I think they ought to keep it year round. Don't be messing with it and moving it back and forth. Uh, but anyway, uh, he, he, of course, he had to be crucified on Wednesday because if he was crucified on Friday and the day ended at sundown, then you've got Saturday you got one day. If you count Friday, you've got, uh, you've got two days. You can't count Friday, though, because he didn't die at 3 o'clock in the evening. You can't count that day. But he was crucified on Wednesday. Then you have Wednesday night. You have Thursday night and Friday night. Three full nights. You have, you have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Three full days. And the, the day in, the Sabbath ended at sundown Saturday and Jesus Christ came out of the grave because when the women went to the tomb, it was still dark and, the, and Jesus was already out of the grave. He actually arose Saturday night. So you say, well, uh, how, how, why did that have to happen? To fulfill the scripture. If, they, if it didn't happen that way, then Jesus was dishonest, wasn't he? And the type of Jonah doesn't hold up. He was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. And the Son of Man was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he was buried to fulfill the scripture, and he was in there three full days and three full nights in order to fulfill the scripture. Then number two, the burial was so he could enter paradise. Now, I realize this is uh, controversial in some circles, and you may have a different opinion than I have tonight, but I think I have scripture to support my position. If I didn't, and I've had people tell me I was wrong. Uh, you know, I, I heard uh, uh, the ladies here tonight practicing uh, a song, it is finished. I like that song. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he cried, he cried, it is finished. And I believe it was. Now there are those uh, who believe that Jesus Christ burned in hell for three days and nights after he died on the cross. I don't believe that. I don't believe that because, because, it was finished. When he died on the cross, it was finished. I believe Jesus Christ suffered the pains of hell, scripturally, but I believe he suffered them on the cross. And when he died on that cross, I believe the price was paid. Now, the scripture that, uh, that people use in Acts 2.31, uh, neither was his soul left in hell, and his body did not see corruption. 
And they say because of that scripture, then Jesus Christ was in hell. Well, it does say, neither was, and let me just turn there in Acts, Acts 2, 31 to make sure I, I get it exactly. Acts 2 and, and verse, uh, verse uh, 31. He's seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, talking about the prophecy of David there. Uh, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. And I mentioned this morning about they had examined the tomb and said there was no evidence of a dead body ever being in that tomb. Well, the Bible said his flesh did not see corruption. Neither was his soul left in hell, which would tend to indicate that he was in hell. Was he in hell? Yes. You say, I thought you said he was. Well, hell included, which this is the, if the original language is Hades. I'm sure you've heard that word often. But it included, it meant the place of the dead, just like Sheol in the Old Testament meant the place of the dead. And it included paradise as well as torment. Now, if it did not include that, I don't know how you reconcile Luke 23, 43, when Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And the Bible very clearly tells us that Jesus Christ went to paradise when he died because he took the thief with him. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And the Bible said in Luke or in Acts there, neither was his soul left in hell. Where was he in hell or in paradise? Well, he had to be in both because neither scripture lies. And I believe, I believe uh, if, you, if you put those scriptures together, then that puts paradise in, in Hades, or ha translated hell, uh, there. And I think this is brought out clearly in Luke 16, where the rich man dies and is buried and lifts up his eyes in hell. And Lazarus dies and, and is carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And you have a conversation. Uh, the rich man looks over and sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom and carries on a conversation with him. Uh, there, uh, so uh, and says that there's a great gulf fix that nobody can cross. So you have you have paradise in the heart of the earth because Jesus said, as Jonas was three days and three nights to bear the well, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he was in the heart of the earth. Then he said to the thief, "You'll be with me in paradise." Paradise had to be in the heart of the earth, and hell also the torment heart was also in the heart of the earth. So that puts them together and, and there's no contradiction. Now where is, is paradise now? Well in 2 Corinthians 12 let's just turn there and uh, we'll uh, look at that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 page 1238 2 Corinthians 12 page 1238 it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell. Whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one called up to the third heaven. So uh, this, this tells us a lot about death. When you die, you don't even miss your body, evidently. He said, where are they in the body? I don't know. I don't know where I was in the body. I don't know where I was out of the body. Well, he was dead and went to heaven. 
We didn't even realize his, he was uh, out of the body. That shows a very real life, as I mentioned this morning, beyond death. And he said, I was cut a third heaven. I knew such a man, whether in the image, he states it twice. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was called up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, here you got paradise in the third heaven. I thought it was in the heart of the earth. Well, it used to be. <laughs> because he, he said he was, he was he, as Jonas, three days, three nights to bear the well, the son of man be three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. Said the thief, you're going to be with me in paradise. Paul said, I went to third heaven, I went to paradise. It used to be in the heart of the earth, but now it's in the third heaven. And... Uh, the Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8. So when you die, you go to be of the Lord. Where's the Lord at? He's in the third heaven, right? He ascended back to the Father of the third heaven. And when we die, we go to be with Him in paradise in the third heaven. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us when all this took place. In Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 8 and 9, Page 1253, if you'd like to look at it. Ephesians 4, verse 8 and 9. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? And the Bible said that when he went to heaven, he led captivity captive. He took those that were that were confined to paradise in the heart of this earth. He went to, down to paradise and told them the price was paid. We're going to, you go, I'm going to take you to my house, to my father's house. And he took all those Old Testament saints that had died up to that time. He took them all to the third heaven with him and moved paradise up to heaven. So Jesus Christ went down there to get them. He died that he might, he was buried that he might fulfill the scripture. He was buried that he may go to paradise and set those free and, and deliver those Old Testament saints and take them to heaven. Now, he did not give them their glorified body despite what you hear. Because Acts says, David is both dead and buried and his sepulcher is with us to this day. Now, if Old Testament saints have got the glorified body, don't you think David had had one? But the Lord, the, the uh, writer of Acts says, which is Luke, said, said that, uh, uh, that David, his body is still out there in the tomb. And so Jesus was buried that he may enter paradise. And then the third reason, the significance of the burial of Jesus Christ was to take away sin. It is a picture of sin being taken away. To illustrate this, back in the book of Leviticus in the Day of Atonement, uh, the priest would take a, a bullock and go behind that veil with some incense and sprinkle the blood of that bullock for his sins. Then he would come back out and he had two goats. And he, they would kill one goat and he would go behind that veil and sprinkle the, the blood for the sins of the nation on that altar. Then he would come back out and put his hands on the head of that live goat. And he confessed the sins of the people on the head of the goat. And he'd take the goat out into a desert area and turn it loose. And it was a picture of the burial. It was a picture 
of their sins being taken away. Now in John 1, 29, John says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. What kind of new message is this? Any Jew knew that there was a remembrance made of sin every year. It's what Hebrews tells us. The sin was never taken away. Sin was covered. Sin was atoned for. The Bible said the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your sin. For it's the blood that maketh an atonement for the sin. The word atone means to cover. Sin was covered. It was not removed. And Romans 3 tells us when Jesus came, all of the sins of Old Testament saints were laid on Christ. All those sins that were covered and judgment was delayed until Calvary and when Christ died on that cross, he died for Adam's sins, Eve's sins. He died for the sins of the whole world. He died for all the sins of the Old Testament saints that had already died. He died for all the sins of the people that were alive now. And thank God he died for all the people that had ever been born. Aren't you glad? What a great truth we have in Romans 3. I'll bring a message on that sometime. And uh, the, the blessing of salvation. And thank God we could get in. His, his, his blood, his blood tucked sin away. Didn't cover sin. And he says, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You don't have to bring any more animal sacrifices. Uh, his blood takes the sin away. Hebrews 10, 11, and 12, and every priest standeth daily ministering, and often, oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man actually had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Sat down on the right hand of God. He, when he sat down, that meant the work was done. That meant the work was finished. It's kind of like uh, some of you remember when you grew up. One fellow said, said when the sun went down, we went down. Because when it came up, we knew we was coming up. <laughs> and boy, I'll tell you, you didn't get to sit down much, did you? I remember you had to hold that corn. I remember my dad playing some corn one time near my, uh, my, my mother's dad, my granddad Johnson. And boy, it was just almost straight up. You about, you about had to tie yourself to a tree to hold it. <laughs> I'll never forget that. It was, it was hilly, and, uh, but, you know, it made, made some corn, I guess. I can't remember what happened. But I can remember, I remember sliding and scooting and, and uh, how difficult that was out there trying to hold that corn on the side of that mountain. Well, the Bible said when Christ finished his work, he sat down. Thank God the work is finished. I don't have to work for my salvation. All I have to do is rest in Jesus. Thank God for salvation by grace. And I tell you tonight, if I'm wrong, if this preacher's wrong and it's not by grace, I don't have any chance. I have zero chance of getting in. Zero. And I've never met anybody that I thought was good enough to go to heaven. Fact is, there's none of us good enough to go. We're going by the grace of God. We're not going at all. And we're all sinners. Bible says, cursed, cursed is everyone that continue not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Can anyone stand up here tonight and say, I've got a perfect record? 
Probably not. I'm sure not. I had a fellow I've told you many times about a preacher that told me he hadn't sinned 20-some years. I guess he saw the expression on my face. <laughs> he, he revised it a little bit. He said, well, I hadn't sinned willfully. Didn't believe that either. Fact is, we're all sinners and we all deserve hell, but God's grace saves us. And the Bible said, whosoever should keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. We, we, we go by grace and we don't go at all. He took my sin away. Thank God for that. Someone wrote a song, What Sins Are You Talking About? <laughs> That's a blessing. Well, there are scriptures that indicate this truth. Micah 7, 19 said, He's buried our sins in the depths of the sea. And I will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea, he said. Someone said the deepest part of the ocean, six and a half mile deep, highest mountains, four and a half mile high. If you put the highest mountain in the lowest point of the sea, still have two mile of water. What's God saying? He said, I took them away. I buried them in the depths of the sea. Just another way of letting us know that God's removed them forever. Isn't that wonderful? Anything in your life, anything in your past that you're ashamed of? Thank God for the blood of Jesus that erased it. I like that word justification. You know, you take a man of murder that kills somebody. I've known the people that's committed murder and, and uh, don't have to pay a lot for it. Don't, don't have to suffer a lot. Of course, God said, if you take another man's life, you shed another man's blood, but man shall his blood be shed. That's what the Bible says. But a person, let's say they, they commit a crime and they kill somebody and they go to prison and they serve their prison time and they are released. But there'll always be a murderer. They'll never get rid of that stain. But justification, that is in the sight of men, but justification removes it. God justifies us. Someone said it's just like we'd never sinned. Well, we're cleared. The debt is paid for. We're guilty. But Jesus paid the debt. And the record is wiped clean. The evidence is shredded. It's, 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 it's the greatest deal in the world. It's wonderful. Justified. Sanctified. Washed in the blood of Christ. He bears their sins in the depths of the sea. Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is in the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He didn't say as far as the north is from the south. If you head north, you'll come to a point. Some people go to the North Pole. I don't know why. I don't know what far. Just like climbing these mountains. I mean, uh, why do people do it? I mean, you climb the mountain, you get up there and say, Well, I'm here. Be much easier just take a helicopter. <laughs> but that that drive to achieve and and uh, you know to to uh, accomplish something, I guess. But some preachers golf. I tried to golf one time, and it is good exercise. I tell you, I was sore. I was I went on Saturday with a fellow in the church years ago. 
I was so sore I couldn't hardly preach. <laughs> and I spent most of the time hunting for the ball. <laughs> I tell you, I'm not much of a golfer. And, uh, and I can't understand the purpose. Now, some of you may golf, and that's fine. If you enjoy that, if that's your thing, it don't bother me. But, uh, uh, you know, someone says cow pastor poo. <laughs> I don't know, but, but uh, I spent all my time hunting for the balls, I said, and wondering where we never did find some of them. Uh, but uh, but uh, hunting, I like to hunt and fish. You go hunting, you shoot, you got some evidence. <laughs> you got something you can eat. Go fishing, you got something you can eat. If you go with me, you may not, but <laughs> anyway. And there's, there's some purpose. Well, how do I get off on that? We're talking about our sins removed as far as the east is from the west. He didn't say as far as the north is from the south because there's a point. Here's the north pole. Here's the south pole. And if you, if you get, get some science literature, you can find out exactly how many miles it is. And you can go, go to that point. And you're going north. Go north, you can go all the way to the North Pole. But when you make one step beyond that North Pole, you're going south. But you can head out east, and you can go east for 25,000 miles. And you'll still be going east. And you'll run around in circles your whole life. I had the TV on a little bit this evening. There's this talking to this... Uh, fellow on this biplane and uh, I mean it's open it's an old plane and and the pilot's sitting there and and uh, his head and all's out in the open and he is he is experimenting out in the Rocky Mountains he's going to fly around the world so he's going to fly north and go to Greenland and Iceland and he says it's going to get real cold I can imagine but he's, he said he's going to fly around the world. He's going to go all the way around and come back to Alaska and down where he started from. I don't know where he made it or not. I think I went to sleep. <laughs> but, but anyway, the point I'm trying to make is you can go east and east forever and you never quit going east. As far as the east is from the west. What's God telling us? He said, I'm going to take your sin away so far the devil and no one else can find them. Then he tells us in Isaiah 44, 22, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. He's blotted them out. And when I think of that, I always think of this little thing and I don't know where you need to buy them now or not. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. You've got this little thing and you ride on it and draw a little picture on it. And he pulled that film up, jerk it up, and it all disappears. That's always kind of fascinating me. Can you still, they still make those things, do they? I need to get one and put it up here in the pulpit stand so when that story comes to me, I can demonstrate it. It's probably more effective. You did. Well, anyway, he said, I blotted them out. I blotted out thy transgression. God just made one pull of that thing and all of my sins disappeared. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God they're all gone. They're blotted out. Probably had a different meaning than that. 
That's not maybe not the best illustration, but it illustrates it in my mind anyway. And uh, uh, he blotted out our transgressions as a thick cloud. If you ever watched the cloud, you know you have you have in the uh, certain times of the year. You can see a cloud come over, and, and if you watch it, after a while, it'll just disappear. You ever seen that happen? Now, you don't see the thunderstorms blotted out too often, but I think that's what God has in mind, is a thick cloud, as, as a thundercloud. I blotted it out. God just made them disappear. And in Isaiah 38, 17, For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back, where is God's back? God's everywhere. God's omnipresent. Simply telling us our sins are gone. Hebrews 10, 17, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. God's omniscient. God knows everything. Does God ever forget anything? Only what he chooses to forget. <laughs> and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. God purposely forgets our sins. Wouldn't it be wonderful peoples like that? Some people never forget. I've counseled with people. They talk about things that happened 20, you wouldn't believe what they said to me 20 years ago. I, I feel like saying, get over it. <laughs> My. God said, I won't remember it. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Don't we have a great God? What a wonderful Savior. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. All this was for a purpose. I believe, I believe it all. That's my hope tonight. I'm depending on Jesus Christ to get me to heaven. In fact, I'm a preacher. It won't buy me one minute there. All of my good works, ever how many they are, won't merit me one day in heaven. I'm going to heaven because the Son of God paid my debt of sin on an old rugged cross. I was buried for these reasons, others I could have mentioned, but was buried to fulfill the scripture, was buried to enter paradise and was buried to take away my sin, illustrating taking the fact that our sins are gone. He died for our sins on the cross. He paid for them. When he was buried, he took them away. He removed them. When he wrote, the Bible said he was delivered for our offenses, he was raised again for our justification. When Jesus got up out of that grave, and Romans tells us that we die, when we come to Christ, we, we enter his death, his burial, his resurrection. It's what baptism illustrates. And we die with Christ. We're resurrected with him. We're a new man. We're raised. We go down with him, a sinner. We come up without it. The sins are gone. We go down a dead man, we come up a live man. We're saved by grace. What a Savior. Let's bow our heads, please.